Let's begin now. All right, Friday night, let's do this. Let's get down to business. It's a bad day to be outside. You should stay inside. Kick back. Put this program in your ears. Let's have a little fun on a Friday night, 6 to 9 p.m. Nathaniel Williams in the house. How's it going, Dusty? There you go. I'm good, man. Actually, I guess things are good, people are well, is what I was scolded by today. Mm. You know, you always run into, like, a grammar police. How you doing today, folks? We're good. Actually, things are good. You are doing well. Thank you, sir. Nice to meet you. Hopefully never talk to you again. <laughs> it's not, we're not to that time of the year where it is dark, like as early as, as, yeah. as it's going to get. I think mm-hmm. that's like a few weeks away. Yeah. My mood just gets worse and worse as we get dark earlier and earlier. You man. get kind of cranky. Oh, yeah. It's you get kind of upset. The number one thing that's, yeah. you know, worse than the cold. Um, yeah. Yeah. Need that vitamin D, man. That's right. Uh, Kind of a low-key uh, good sports night. You have Pac-12 championship starts in about 58 minutes. Oregon versus Washington. Uh, Bo Nix versus Michael Penix Jr. I do believe the winner of that game wins the Heisman. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some of you think Jalen Daniels has already got it wrapped up. I know his numbers are great. Bo Nix seems like the right story. Right, Bo Nix is the 31-year-old college quarterback that's played well, got his team in contention. They win tonight. They're probably in the college football playoff. Washington probably out. Um, You know, there's a pretty good Washington player on the Kansas City Chiefs. Plays cornerback. Where's 22? He's been talking his stuff recently. He should. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's got the floor. At this point, I think Trent McDuffie can do whatever he wants. I think he's proven enough to me. Uh, that that man's a dog. We'll get into that defense a little bit later. Jay Binkley, uh, it is Friday night, so we'll get Bink at night at 6.30 with myself. Um, but, yeah, very uh, very morbid feeling day, man. Just, like, very wet, dark, cold. You don't know if it wants to snow, you know. It's just whatever. You know, but let's hear you tonight. Let's, let's, let's have a family night tonight, you know. It's, uh, it's after hours on a Friday night. Dusty Likens, Nate Williams with you tonight, 913-586-7610. Let it off your chest, right? We'll vent. We'll have fun. We'll talk Chiefs. We'll play audio. I'll get you jacked up or it must I can till the weekend starts. Again, we'll be back um, Sunday at 9 a.m. for fantasy football. Then we'll slide into after hours from 10 until midnight. Midnight, I wish. 10 until noon, 12 noon. Um, this from the 913, 913, that's what I'm saying. Like, vent it out, man. Let that Friday, let that December 1st do you, man. Yo, Dusty, my last day working at Walmart was today. Done with their BS. Doing the LeBron James thing and taking my talents elsewhere. Good for you. Good for you. When I was, uh, this is kind of a funny sidetrack story. I promise we'll get into sports. When I was a 15 to 16 year old, I worked at Price Chopper. Um, and I worked there for like a year and a half. And one day I just had enough, right? The customer service ladies were extremely mean to me. Uh, It was a different world back then, right? This is when I was in high school uh, back in 2005, 2006. 
and uh, or I guess it'd be 2004, 2005. And, uh, you know, they just kind of, like, did what they wanted to do. They sat back there. They, you know, they, they bossed you around. They, they micromanaged the hell out of you. And I had a 30-minute break, and I'd sat down 10 minutes, had my chicken tenders, had my mac and cheese, comes over the whole store speaker. Dusty Likens to the front to his register, please. Not a chance. Then again, five seconds later, same thing. Dusty Likens to his register to the front, please. Not a chance. They did it a third time. I got a to-go box from my girl who worked in the deli named Ida. God bless her heart. Don't know where she's at these days, but praise God, she was great. Uh, Gave me a to-go box. I took my apron. I clocked out. I walked out of the building hearing them say, Dusty Likens to the front, please, to his register. And it was just, I couldn't take it anymore. Good for you. You know, at certain points in your life, at a job, you just can't do it. Especially especially those when you're young, those customer service jobs, man. Good for you, 913, man. Take your talents elsewhere. Yeah, you don't need that. Also, out of the 913, they say the the solstice is Mm. December 21st. We're getting there. There we go. And then it just does a complete reverse. Then you're all of a sudden going, man, it's still light. It's Mm -hmm. 615. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's nice, though, when it's dark early. You can see those Christmas lights and decorations outside. Kind of get you that holiday spirit. You there yet? I'm all about the holidays. Got the tree up. Okay. Oh, yeah. There you go. There we go. Um, Where I want to start things off, if you missed it, Trey Wingo was on the show that they call The Drive here on 610 Sports Radio. That host is Carrington Harrison along with Rob Britton, and he had this to say about one Patrick Mahomes. Look, this guy is the outlier of outliers, okay? It's the Gale Sayers for me. If he never plays again, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So the question just becomes how high on the on the list of the greatest all time is he going to be? Um, just for perspective on that 15 and 11, I'm, again, I'm not a believer that wins are a quarterback stat, but obviously wins – and quarterbacks help you win games. So that 15 and 11 is about a 580 winning percentage, right? Like you said, same thing as Kurt Warner in his career. The next best winning percentage for the team with that quarterback in that situation is Tim Tebow at four and six, at five and six, at 455. The next best is Otto Graham in the, the low 400s at seven, 10, and one. And then the greatest quarterback of all time to a lot of people is Tom Brady. His team's winning percentage in those situations is 370. <laughs> this is the outlier of outliers in Patrick Mahomes. And one of the most remarkable things about Mahomes this year, he's on pace to set his best-ever completion percentage in his career in the same year where his team leads the league in drops of wide receivers. He ain't the problem. He'll never be the problem. Patrick Mahomes there being talked about by one Trey Wingo who joined the drive earlier this week. And this is what I'm kind of feeling about this game, right? This is a game in which I feel comfortable that the offense has developed itself to what they're going to be. Last night, we talked about it as the three-headed monster, Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, and let Patrick Mahomes kind of dictate the flow of it. You have enough trust and belief that he knows how to operate uh, that machinery, and that's where this team is needing to go. They've been looking for the identity. I think they've found it. Pete Sweeney had said that on Arrowhead Pride on Wednesday as we wrap up this week of Kansas City Chiefs talk going into Green Bay. Not only that, you go into this game as a six-point favorite in an environment that Patrick Mahomes has never played in. And it just kind of seems that we're starting to get into that point of the season. Again, it's December 1st today. It'll be December 3rd on Sunday. And you'll start to see where the NFL kind of separates itself from the good and the decent to just the bad. You'll start seeing teams that will be not mathematically eliminated, but the season is over. You'll see teams where it's between one and three to get the one seed right now in the AFC. I would say it's between Baltimore, Kansas city and Miami. 
right? Baltimore on a bye this week. Buffalo on a bye this week. They sit back, try to reevaluate. Buffalo does. Baltimore sits back, watches Kansas City. And this is one of those things and one of those situations in which I think and I believe you'll start to see the Chiefs take off. Right, a good friend of mine and Josh Verner, one time I had him on the show, and he's like, why do people get concerned about a November loss? Right, there was some concern. You lose to Philadelphia. You also lost to Denver. You lose 24-9. to You drop a touchdown to win the game. Everybody's frustrated. And then you go play Vegas the week before December starts, and it looks like the offense is starting to be a well-oiled machine. And when you think about what Patrick Mahomes' mindset is and where he tends to be, this is when he gets into the playoff mode. Doesn't start December for him. No, no, no. Way earlier. Um, for me, it's I mean, it's all, it's all the time, off season, in season, whatever it is. I'm always knowing that you take the the day, you want to maximize the day and get better and better. But at the end of the end of the day, you're working for that ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl. And so, um, you have to take a week in and week out. Um, but your mentality should be, I'm going to do this today to be better uh, for the next day and for the next day until the, the Super Bowl the Super Bowl comes. And so. Um, we have a great game this week, a great challenge, and a great environment um, against a great football team. And so for us, um, how can we get better today that we, we play that football game and, and we can find a way to win it um, that will be towards our ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl. And you have to trust that this team led by that young man knows what it takes to get there. And with a new developed and new identity of an offense, you'd have to think that he's going to start liking what he seems to like, which is number four, number 10, and always the trustworthy hands in Travis Kelsey in 87. When you go play a team like Green Bay, who is on the up and coming, the up rise, I guess you could say, for a team that's trying to find its identity, who looked pretty well against Detroit. Detroit also looked pretty bad in that game. But this is one of those games in which you have to know that this team is doing exactly what it wants to get going. And this is where you also might see that Patrick Mahomes MVP, right? Trey Wingo talks about it. He's the outlier of outliers. Mahomes has kind of hovered around the MVP talks, right? I think it's still between three, maybe four, if you want to include Christian McCaffrey. But I think your three MVP candidates going in right now would be Hertz, Lamar, and Patrick, right? I think those are your three top candidates. Well, Mahomes gets a little bit of a luxury because he plays when Lamar Jackson doesn't, so the focus will be more on him. Mahomes also has the luxury of playing a less talented team than Jalen Hurts, who will play the San Francisco 49ers. If things were to go differently, then you would see things probably slip more into the favorite part of Patrick Mahomes. This offense rolling against the Vegas Raiders, who went 31 to three on a, what was it? 34, 34, three run scored in the second half, found out what they needed to do, found out where their strengths were moving forward. This is where I think you'll start to see that Patrick Mahomes MVP narrative start to really excel, really be like, okay, it's Mahomes and Lamar. You know, his numbers, his percentage completion percentages is, is on pace to be the highest ever. And he's got, what, 28 drops from his roster. They didn't have a known wide receiver until week 12. And yet he's still at the top of the list of being talked about. This is why guys like Trey Wingo have these things to say about the athlete that plays quarterback in your city. And if you go back to November 7th, right, we remember, maybe you don't. If you don't, I'll give you some some remembering notes of what Michael Irvin had to say about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is is basically God playing quarterback. I don't care what you guys say. He's basically God playing quarterback. He, he doesn't have quite the talent. He needs a wide receiver, but he always makes just enough plays to keep them in the game. If you're not going to catch this ball, I'll run and just scoot past this first down. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. 
I got people all on me, Key, because I said he'll never catch Tom Brady. And, and, and I was saying it in a place where I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed I got cheated out of Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. That should have never been broken up. Well, it was, and one man continues to stay the focus point of the NFL, and the MVP of last year looks to do another MVP this year. That'd be three in six years, and on track to go back to an AFC Championship game. This is why guys like Trey Wingo have seen nothing like this before and call it the outlier of outliers. Brady, even this week, had mentioned about how Patrick Mahomes is an absurd special talent, that it's just not fair. And when you have a game in Lambeau on Sunday night, big game, never been to Green Bay before, this is going to be one of those things where all the focus and all the lights and attention will be on Patrick Mahomes come 7 o'clock at night on Sunday evening. He has a chance to elevate his status when it comes to the MVP race. And the only thing that they need to keep doing is developing the offense. And Steve Ballmer can give you the pregame speech for that. So what is the $64,000 question? Holy cow, I'm going to have to tough it up now. Here we go. What is the most asked question that I've received this week? It's a very good question, and it's got a very, very clear answer. Developer. The key to success is developers, 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 developers. Yes. After hours on a Friday evening, a nasty Friday evening. That doesn't mean I'm going to get nasty, but the text line already is uh, somewhere there. Dusty, when I hear you, I always want to take my pants off and jacket. That's my favorite album. That's a Blink-182 reference. That uh, That's one of three albums that probably changed my life, if I'm being real. Uh, that album... Like, that kind of ages me. But that album came out, and I think that year for Christmas, my number one ask was a portable Walkman. And I put that album in there. I had the green-covered one. There were three different albums that had uh, two different special songs at the end. One was, like, inappropriate, shocker, and then the other one was, like, an actual song that just didn't make the cut. And uh, I remember when I put that CD in for the first time and heard Anthem Part 2, I was like, all right. That's that's where we're at. That drums that that drum beat at the beginning, uh, the lyrics of that song. But yeah, great album by the way. So uh, there you go. Hey, Dusty, do you think the Chiefs will sign Zach Ertz and the Chiefs will finally deploy the mythical three tight end set? By the way, what do you think of a new nickname for yourself, the Cleaner? Dusty like it. I mean, that nickname's already taken. For those of you that that watch, uh, you know, for all the you know, whatever wrestling nerds out there, that's uh, Kenny Omega's uh, alter ego. The cleaners. So that's taken. Can't do it. For those of you that are well behind, we got rid of the Dirty Werewolf nickname. It's done. It's retired. You can thank ESPN for that. So normally we do a Werewolf Friday. You notice we don't do that. No more howls. No more anything. Jay Binkley will join us at 630, and I'm sure he'll try to, uh, you know, try to alter the show to that. Uh, 913, first day video cracks me up every time. So I go to this party, and my brother's there, and we end up making out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that video, that's the famous, uh, the famous gif of, like, Tom DeLonge in the 70s wig doing the WTF. 
Um, and then someone asked for me at one six, how can Jalen Hurts be considered an MVP when he's not even the best player on his offensive staff? Because he leads it. The MVP award is a quarterback award, right? And touchdown accumulation via the tush push, the brotherly shove. Yeah, his numbers aren't, like, astonishing. Like, that's why, like, it's so interesting to me where people, like, where the coach and the MVP thing are two different storylines, right? Like, the coach is supposed to win coach of the year if he does something that's not been done before or is the, you know, glorified story. Like, Dan Campbell is still the coach of the year uh, leading candidate. And it's like, well, Detroit at the beginning of the season, and I've had this takes for so long, so I'm only going to be short with it real quick, but, like, Dan Campbell, I don't get it. Like, Kevin O'Connell, Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid. Like, I'm not being biased here. Like, literally, like, Andy Reid has this team miles ahead of everybody in his own division and, again, atop the number one seed. Like, I don't get it. Like, how is Mike McDaniels not getting any credit, right? Like, was Miami Miami just supposed to be good? Like, he just doesn't deserve it, but he's got, like, one of the best offenses we've seen in a long time. I still don't, I mean, Kevin O'Connell's doing it with Josh Dobbs, right? I know they just lost uh, to Atlanta, or not to Atlanta, Chicago, but, I mean, look what they're doing. They're almost in the playoffs. Mike Tomlin, how is that guy not considered the coach of the year? It's like you, know, he, you win it once, and you never win it again. Yeah, you know how I feel about Mike Tomlin and that yeah, award. But- stud. I, at the risk of getting booed off the air here, are we a couple wins away from saying Sean Payton's in the conversation? He should be, right? Didn't they start off one and five? They've won five in a row. Now they're six and five in the playoff hunt. They dropped. They got dropped 70 on them they in, be, yeah. in week four, or was it three? And since then have righted the ship, went into Buffalo, right. beat Kansas City. Beat Kansas City, beat Buffalo, forced, uh, I think, nine total turnovers in those two games mm-hmm. against those top two teams. Buffalo obviously falling short uh, in, in, in Buffalo there. But again, you know. It is what it is. Um, I want to get into Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. Mike Wicked, who used to work in Kansas City, now in Wisconsin, had this to say on what's different with Green Bay as of recent times. But you got to play. You need timing. You got to know what it's like to get hit. You have to develop continuity. You got to have those meetings. You got to be in film and then take that film to the field. You got to know what football feels like. And I, this was something, Carrington, I know I was on with you early in the year. And we were talking about this. Like, you can't expect Green Bay with Jordan Love and this young, the youngest team in the National Football League to come out and go 6-1, and one, you know, by the time we get to Halloween. Like, this year is actually playing out exactly like I thought it was for Green Bay. I had them around eight, nine wins. They're kind of pacing that way right now. They're hot lately. And it just takes time. It takes reps. It takes gameplay for Jordan Love to figure out you know, where, where to go with the football. Well, so these wide receivers can't keep running into each other. It just takes time. And I know we live in a microwave society. We want stuff now quick. We love Twitter. We love instantaneous football. Isn't like that football takes time. And this is actually kind of where I thought they'd be. And the Packers of recent, they've won two. They've won three other last four. They beat the Rams without Matt Stafford. They lost to the Steelers. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Lions. They've lost to the Vikings, the Broncos, the Raiders. They lost one, two, three, four in a row. They lost to the Lions, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Vikings. They've beaten the Saints. They've beaten the Bears. And now they play a Chiefs team. And as Mike Wicked, who's in Wisconsin, covers the team quite frequently, it's true, right? Like, they're making strides. They're getting better. But they're 5-6, and six, and they're getting ready to run into a team at the worst possible time, in my opinion. Look, I think Jordan Love is starting to figure things out. He looks better than he looked many, many weeks ago. 
They handled business on Thanksgiving in Detroit on the road, a big win. Detroit also, I think, was 0 for 4 on fourth down conversions, like terrible on third down conversions. Goff played awful. And now you play a team, which I know last week the concern was, how does the offense kind of find itself? How does the offense get going? How do they score points in the damn second half? Right? That was what a lot of people had been asking about the Chiefs. The one thing that's the greatest part about it is that nobody was wondering, is the defense going to be all right still? Is is it going to run out of juice? The defense has been true the entire season. Again, we talked last night about how it's one of the better units in football, one of the top three units in the game of the NFL. And to me, where you can find some comfortability with this Packers game, who is a team that is five and six, not a playoff team, a team that's trying to find its identity You're a team, just go keep the gas going. Keep your foot on the pedal. Keep going forward. Don't worry about where you're at. Don't worry about who you're playing. You can just go in there and take care of business because you don't have to worry about your defense. Continue to employ the same sort of offensive mechanism that you had against the Raiders. Continue to be that team that you know that you are, the three-headed monster, the trusted defense. And with a team that's trying to figure itself out, they're about to run into a defense that they haven't seen before. They're going to run into a team where, look, they've got Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed on the outside as corners who have not allowed 100-yard receivers to wide receiver once. The wide receiver one in Green Bay is Watson, Romeo, Romeo Dobbs. Like, I would say that's a step below what they've faced already in A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Keenan Allen, Right. I don't know where you would rank Watson and Dobbs when it comes to Christian Kirk and Joshua Palmer, but those are the only two receivers that have had a hundred yards against those two corners. The safeties are kind of the quarterbacks out there or the center fielders out there in the outfield, right? They're guiding people where to go. Your linebacking core will take care of its business and your defensive line will continue to contain pressure. And one thing that you have to love in this matchup, if you're a chiefs fan, you have to love minus six because if you're pressuring Jordan love, and you have that defense, this game could be over quickly. Again, Green Bay looking to make the turn. Green Bay trying to show their fans and their supporters the light is at the end of the tunnel, and they're eventually going to get there. But they're running into a team that none of that is on their plate. None of that is there. They know what their team is. They know what's successful on offense, and they can trust their defense, and Steve Spagnuolo should have a day. We'll talk to Jay Binkley about that on the other side. For Nathan, I'm Dusty. This is 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we'll get to the Richard of the Week as we do every single Friday that we have a show here on After Hours where we find somebody who's just been, well, simply a Richard and needs a little bit of called out. Now it is Bink at night. Your music is blaring, Binkley. How are you this evening? Nice musical choice there, Dustman and Nathan. Yeah, that's 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 all Nathan there, man. Nice work, Nathan. Nice work. Thank yeah. you, Bink. I figured it's a good night for a winter logger, Mr. Binkley. I assume there's one in your right hand. I try to get you on as early. We do it every night at 630, but I know you got some <laughs> passion uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. Big game, man. Are you uh, you getting juiced up for that? You got the sweatpants on, no draws, socks on, loose shirt. Yeah, no, just shorts on tonight, oh, Dustman. Okay. But uh, I'm priming with a little appetizer. New Mexico State 
uh, Conference USA Championship uh, versus uh, Liberty. Uh, pre-gaming on that one before the uh, Oregon-Washington game. Yeah. Um, real quick, we were talking about in the bullpen today. Um, is the winner of this game the Heisman Trophy winner? Whew, it's hard to – It's yeah. I mean, I, yeah, Penix has slid down below. Bo Nix is just right there mm-hmm. as far as odds are concerned. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it comes down to – to these guys tonight. I, I mean, somebody else could sneak in, but it, it seems like it's Bo Nix's to lose at this point. Um, it just does. And he's been in college uh, 15 years. So it's about time, <laughs> um, I guess that he gets it. But uh, no, if I was going to, if I was going to rank him, I'd put Jaden Daniels number one. Cause I still think, you know, cause he doesn't play this week for LSU, but his numbers are ridiculous. I mean, Jaden, Gene Daniels is a human cheat code. I mean, his numbers, he puts up, he leads the SEC in passing, second in the SEC in rushing. My vote would go for Jaden Daniels, quarterback LSU, then Bo Nix, then Penix, then Carson Beck at Georgia, then uh, Melrose at Alabama. How much of having your team in the playoff contention in college football does it matter when it comes to the Heisman Trophy? I don't think it matters. I mean, Caleb Williams won it last year, and he was the only finalist in New York, not in the college football playoffs. Okay. Because okay. you had Max Duggan there from TCU, Stetson Bennett mm-hmm. uh, was there from Georgia. So, you know, Caleb Williams was the only finalist not in the college football playoffs. Um, this weekend, obviously, you have Big Ten matchup, Iowa versus Michigan. You have Alabama, Georgia. You have Oklahoma State and Texas, I believe. Which one of these games, I know you're a big SEC Saban guy, but, I mean, outside of the 3 o'clock SEC game, like, where do you rank these of they're going to have Binkley's attention? I mean, you're the college football guy. You're the guy that does the character concerns podcast that drops sure. every Wednesday with Chris Unicero. Um, where's, where is the main attention uh, from Jay Binkley this weekend on the college football, uh, you know, the conference championship weekend? Yeah, I'm extremely interested in Oklahoma state, Texas at 11 o'clock because uh, I'm curious if, uh, you know, Texas for real Oklahoma state's been uh up and down this year, but that at 11, then that uh, Georgia Bama game at three, like you said, Michigan and Iowa not so interested in that. And Louisville, Florida State, mm-hmm. uh, because if Rodemaker doesn't start a quarterback, it looks like, you know, he, he may start for Florida State in that situation. But Florida State, you know, they're the underdog in this game. Um, actually, they moved to the, to the, to the favorite, actually, they moved it to one and a half at this point, but it's been back and forth. But if Florida State can take care of business and have a dominant uh, game against Louisville, I think it'll save for a lot. Like the the whole argument, should Florida State be one of the finalists or not? So definitely intrigued by the ACC title game at night. And it's interesting. And people still say, well, Florida State, their body of work, they're undefeated. They deserve to be in the playoffs. No, I don't think they do. Because if we turn this, Dusty, and we made we say the NFL. You need to vote on the top four teams in the NFL. And all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes uh, was out for the Chiefs. Would you really consider the Chiefs one of the top four? Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's what it kind of comes down to. Yeah. Um, did I see somewhere? Or was I reading fake news that there might be a chance that the backup for Florida State at quarterback might be out in this game? That's that's the thing. Okay. Rodemaker's their backup and. Um, there's been talk that he may or may not play concussion, in this, right? In this game. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, certainly that does make a difference because if they're down to the third string, <laughs> that makes it, 
a huge difference for the game. And it, it sucks for Florida State. You know, they yeah. went the whole year. It's been a, a great year for them. Hip tackles. Being undefeated with uh, Jordan Travis, a quarterback. But, man, I mean, if they don't have – if they don't have him at quarterback, what do you think? Because we've seen so many blowouts, Dusty. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen the college football playoffs. TCU like, last year. Well, 58 points in a title game, but it's like 29, 28, 32. I mean, the margin of victory just in the semifinals is outrageous, and I don't think you really want that at this point. You'd rather see the best four teams uh, in the playoffs. I think, I think tomorrow's going to be extremely interesting, especially Sunday when these come out at 11 o'clock. Um, the final votes, who they're going to put in. Because, you know, obviously it's, it would be easy if Alabama beat Georgia. Then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you say, okay, then you have a debate. If it's a close game, you put them both in the playoffs. But then all of a sudden if Texas beats Oklahoma State, they're going, wait a minute, we mm-hmm. beat Alabama at Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's our one – and then we only have one loss, and that was the Oklahoma in a rivalry game. And then I think you have the Texas argument, which is a valid one against Oregon. Texas Tech was not playing very good at the beginning of the year. Oregon only beat Texas Tech by eight points. They played them in a non-conference game. Texas yeah. just played them um, recently here and beat them by 50 points. Mm-hmm. And Texas Tech had gone on three-game winning streak. So then there's just arguments for everybody. I can't wait for the 12-team playoffs. I think it's going to make things a lot more clear than we can argue if LSU deserves to be in the top 12 as they sit at 13 uh, right now. But – yeah, we're we're about to have mayhem, I do believe, okay. in college football. And they're going to say change it. Well, it's going to be changed to 12 teams, which, by the way, Missouri yeah, um, would be in it. So, yeah. um, for them. Let's look inside Binkley's Crystal College football ball real quick before we shift gears to the NFL. Uh, give me your four prediction. Give me your prediction of the final four in the college football playoff. I think Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and should be Florida State, but then Ohio State's sitting there. You know, eleven to one. They snuck into the playoffs last year and didn't play in the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, or do they make a big leap? Does Texas have such a dominant performance over Oklahoma State that they sneak in there as the four? Or does Alabama go out and actually hammer uh, Georgia? Then give the committee, okay, Alabama's playing their best football right now, even though uh, they barely beat the I- Auburn in the Iron Bowl last week. So. My prediction would be definitely be Georgia if they win, Michigan for sure if they win, uh, which I think they will. Then uh, the the w- winner of the Washington-Oregon game tonight mm-hmm. um, will 100% be in there. And if Florida State somehow you know, has an impressive game in the committee because they did take him out, then they put him back in this, this past week. So we'll have to see. But, uh, you know, there's a chance Ohio State can make an argument. Alabama can make an argument. Texas can make an argument. It's going to be fun to see who that fourth team is. Kind of a trick question as we segue over to the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs who play on 720. You'll be on the air from what? Uh, midnight to 2 a.m.? So that'll be fun. Probably. Uh, yeah, probably with that. Uh, what's more important for this Chiefs team on offense to have uh, to get this thing going that we saw last week? We we talked last night about the three-headed monster, Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, and, and Travis Kelsey for Patrick Mahomes. Is it more important to get Isaiah Pacheco incorporated early, or is it more important to get Rasheed Rice going early for this Kansas City offense to keep going in the well-oiled machine that it looked like versus the Raiders last week? I'm going to give the nod to Rasheed Rice at the beginning, but they're very important because it's about yards after catch. And we saw five catches out of the backfield uh, from Pacheco this past week. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the run defense uh, for the Packers is pretty weak. It's 27th in the NFL, so I could see uh, Isaiah Pacheco having a big game. But to me, it's Rice. It's continued development. Andy Reid called him Patrick-friendly um, this past week. So mm-hmm. if he can keep taking steps, and he did have those two drops, let's not forget, in that game that he did have 107 yards. But the fact that Chiefs receiver had – over 85 yards in a game is a huge step. They were the last team in the NFL to have a receiver at least get 85 yards, which um, and they haven't had a 100-yard receiver since this past week, since week seven of the week before. So I definitely think uh, get Rasheed Rice, start building that chemistry between him and Patrick because they're going to need it in the postseason. If Mahomes does get that going and this offense is what it looked like against Vegas, is he back to the top of the MVP candidate uh, favorite because he is what Trey Wingle called the uh, outlier of outliers. If he is in fact back in, in this, you know, rhythm, because again, Binkley, we we saw the stat earlier. He's on pace to have his best completion percentage of the season with 28 drops on his roster. That seems like one of those quirky little stats where it's like, if that's the case, then why is he not the MVP? They're winning their division. They're going to chance to be the top seed in the AFC. They get this offense going, win on Sunday night football in Lambeau where all the, you know, the, well, the, the, the bells and whistles are going to be, is he moved right back in there as the, as the true front runner for the MVP above Lamar, above Jalen hurts. I think so. I really do. I mean, well, if Hurts has a, a great game against San Francisco, you'd have to lean his direction, right? Um, especially sitting there with the one loss. But, yeah, Mahomes is sitting right there. What's his odds right now, Does He's like number two odds, isn't he? Yeah, he was like tied, I think, with – I think it was Lamar was the favorite, and then uh, I think he and Hurts were either one and two or two yeah. and three, or it's, it's Lamar or Hurts at the top. I'll look for you uh, real quick, though. Depending on looking at FanDuel or uh, – mm-hmm. DraftKings uh, is where DraftKings. I'm at, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's, if it's in there yet, or if I got to find it here, but go ahead. I mean, here's futures. Uh, Chiefs are San Francisco's favorite to win plus three thirty. chiefs next best four twenty five. Um, let's see conference winners. We don't want that. This is great radio. Number well, one I'm in Missouri. I'm in Missouri on a Mac and they, uh, okay. and they shut down FanDuel on me because of where I'm Okay, so here, yeah. so here you go. Jalen Hurts right now is the favorite at plus 150. Mahomes at plus 380. Lamar Jackson at plus 450. And then your boy, Dak Prescott, at plus 475. You know what? Here's the one thing about it. Like, Dak Prescott was actually the sneaky pick if you want to make money on it because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he snuck that game out last night. Um, Dak's had a great year. And if he can find a way uh, to beat the Philadelphia Eagles here coming up, I mean, look out for Dak Prescott. But, yeah, if Mahomes goes out and has a great game, yeah, he's sitting right there only because of the completion percentage. And, you know, the, the national media, they do love Mahomes in the situation. Once you're in the club and you win MVP, you ask Aaron Rodgers. It's tough for him not to vote for you. It's weird how they don't do that with head coaches anymore these days. Uh, Binkley, I hope you enjoy your Friday night. Tomorrow's your is, is kind of your pre-Christmas. It's like your Christmas Eve Eve. It's college football uh, championship conference championship weekend. Thanks for coming on tonight. Enjoy the winter loggers. Enjoy the rest of your, your appetizer football game before you get Washington and Oregon. Give me a final prediction of Washington, Oregon tonight. I'm going to take Oregon 31, Washington 24. So I should hammer the over now that I'm in Kansas. Oh, and by the way, does mm-hmm. man, it's great to see the chiefs uh, get that uh, Monday night game against the Patriots move. They get 36 hours of more rest for them, <laughs> yeah. which that is huge. It also gives Binkley 12 more hours of rest, which is nice. You'll actually get to do a post-game show at like 5 o'clock to 7.30 this time. So, Binkley, uh, I'll talk to you later on. Maybe we'll get you on here on Sunday, a little afternoon action before we get off the show at noon. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy college football and enjoy that game Sunday night in Lambeau. 
All right, my friend. We'll talk to you Sunday. Later, Bink. That's Jay Binkley. He does uh, he does a lot of work around here. You obviously know that. Obviously, Arrowhead Pride postgame show this week will be a little bit later. A lot later. Uh, but coming up on the other side, Binkley, not one of these guys. This guy is uh, Richard of the Week. We get into that on the other side here on After Hours of 610 Sports Radio. see them live i don't know if they're still together i'm sure i've never heard anything about them breaking up but who knows i've been known to be wrong several times before uh jay binkley thanks dan for joining the show bink uh again you can hear him on the character concerns podcast with chris unicero that uh podcast drops every wednesday so make sure you're you know downloading the odyssey app checking that sort of thing out um you're going to uh lambo right I am. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're heading out tomorrow morning. Mm. Oh, I driving? can't wait. We're driving. Okay. That's probably what, like a 10-hour drive? If we did it straight through about 9. Okay. Um, we're staying a little ways out of the city because, well, not city, but the vicinity of the mm-hmm. stadium because Airbnbs and hotels are, like, insanely high. Sure. So be about an eight-and-a-half-hour hike tomorrow and do the rest Sunday evening and watch Mahomes under the lights. and I mean, it's going to be great, man. Is uh. Is that a bucket list for you to get to Lambeau for a sports fan? It is. So I have, like, made it a point to try and go to as many baseball stadiums as I can. Mm. I'm getting close to going to all of them. Damn. Uh, but that's not really a thing with NFL stadiums. Right. You know, Lambeau's the only one that I feel like I got to I gotta get there as a sports fan. True. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm psyched. Dayton Hughes has never been there. He'll be there calling the game as the color commentator for the Chiefs radio network. You can hear that. Pre-game show starting at, I believe, 4.30 on 6.10 and 106.5 The Wolf. And then you can hear Mitch, Danon, and Josh Klingler of Fesco in the morning uh, during the game on 106.5 The Wolf, our sister station. But it is Friday. It is the end of the 6 o'clock hour. Let's do the Richard of the Week. Say what? Shut up. My consorting with a known felon. Shut up, Richard. 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 You did it? Yes! Oh, Richard, I'm so happy you pulled So this week's Richard of the Week comes from a TMZ article that I saw on Monday morning, so obviously the week prolonged. I didn't think anybody was well more deserved than this young man. You just can't do stuff like this. If you do, you end up a Richard of the Week on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. Of course, this segment sponsored by nobody, but somebody could step up. As an old friend once told me, that's good to imply on your show. Law enforcement sources tell us that a 26-year-old man was arrested for indecent exposure and being under the influence as he was taken to a hospital to get checked out, but was eventually booked for the two misdemeanors. Sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ this wayward guest was immediately removed from Disneyland following an incident where he was stripping down naked in the ride of It's a Small World. How are you going to get naked in Disneyland? First off, if there was ever a place where I could slam dunk kid friendly, I would assume it would be Disneyland. Not anymore. You've got guys out here that are 26-year-olds getting inebriated, 
streaking, stripping down in Disneyland, started crawling all over the place during the It's a Small World ride. This while folks were struck or stuck in their boats and staring in shock. There was a part of the ride that had to be shut down. This man decided to jump out of his boat, jump out of his clothes, and present the world with It's a Small World of his own. There is video of it. I don't need to see it. I saw the videos where he was in his skibs and he was crawling around. First off, I have three, three questions. One, what causes someone to want to just get naked at Disneyland? Two, what 26-year-old wants to ruin their life by getting naked at Disneyland? And three, I didn't know they served booze at Disneyland. I went when I was like seven. Went with the family. Luckily, never saw this sort of activity. But I don't understand how some person could get so inebriated. I feel like he was on acid. That is, so so yes, never, public indecency is rarely a good idea. It's, it's definitely not a good idea at a theme park, a Disneyland. That's my biggest issue with this. Mm-hmm. Are, did you come in in this state of mind, or did you pay... You know, I've seen those TikToks. Hey, we drank around the world at, mm-hmm. at Disney World or whatever. Yeah. I, I, you would have to pay an insane amount of money to get yourself in this state of mind, right? I've just never had enough liquor in no. me to want to be like, let's do it. Let's get oh, naked. No way. I've been at the lake before, and it's been like a bunch of us, and we're like, hey, let's just strip down and get in the water. Now, that's probably dumb because, you know, we're inebriated, but we were jumping in with floats, right? We had stuff. Now, we didn't have a lick of clothes on. But it was fun. We were near the dock. But we're not at Disneyland. There's not six-year-old Scotty riding in a boat going down the river if it's a small world after all. And then there's just a sausage over here to your left that you didn't know that was coming. And what a great, uh, you know, this segment's called Richard of the Week. He did this in It's a Small World. It's just full of innuendo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, especially on that ride. Do it on the Tower of Terror where that's going to, (laughs) like, you know. Where no one's really going to have to stare at you. Plus, all they're stopped. They can't do anything. It's like a bad train wreck or a bad car accident. You don't want to look. You don't want to see what's over there. And then here's this guy, just Johnsonville brought out for the world to see in a small world. And then you've got to explain to your child why this guy's doing this. Richard of the Week. Terrible. Disneyland. Don't, don't streak at Disneyland. Don't get wasted at Disneyland. Mm-mm. You don't get wasted at your friend's, like, you know, I don't know, reveal party maybe afterwards. But you don't want to be the guy that gets hit with the pink or blue golf ball that's supposed to explode. You don't want to get the, the confetti gun in your face. Wait till afterwards where the cameras are off. Why are you going to Disneyland? Hammered. You've ruined 15 kids' life. Because you know what those kids are going to say when they get older? Let me tell you a story about the time I went to It's a Small World After All in Disneyland. You know what happened? I saw a naked man who was 26 years old inebriated. Gross. Just drunk on Mickey Mouse. Because the only thing I knew they served at Disneyland was like an ice cream that was shaped like Mickey Mouse. I don't know why, but I, I just remember that having one of those. I'm sure it cost my parents like $35 for one. And now this guy's out here ruining family trips, getting naked. Never crossed my mind. I, I have been to Disneyland. It did mm-hmm. not cross my mind to take my clothes off. Well, it doesn't cross my mind to get hammered. Obviously, I went in the summer. It was hot. It's Florida. But, or is Disney, yeah, Disney World is Florida. Disneyland is California. Cali, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so this guy's definitely Cali'd out. I just don't think it was booze. I think it was either like acid or like he would fit the Florida man mm. thing though. If the, if he would have done this at Disney World and be hammered, yeah, yeah. I mean, trust me, I like to be naked. I just don't like to be naked in public. 
But who knows? Who knows? Just don't do it. Don't go to Disneyland. Don't get hammered at Disneyland. Don't get naked at Disneyland. Just be respectful for people because people have kids and they like memories. And they don't like memories of nudists that are hammered. Richer of the week, 26-year-old, wilding out in Disneyland. Coming up on the other side, Tyreek Hill finally comes clean. And I've got a theory as to where we feel, maybe for most of us, with Tyreek Hill. It's no longer the villain. It's just kind of meh. For Nathan, I'm Dusty Likens. This is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio.